There's this terrible mathematics now that the more serious it is, the less time you have to deal with it. Hi, this is Greg Young. And this is Bill Malik. And you're listening to Real Cybersecurity. And we have an important celebration this month, don't we, Greg? We do. It's a yearly event that's very close to our hearts. It is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Yes. And in commemoration of that, we are going to be releasing a series of four briefings. We're going to talk about surfing safely this week. Yes. And then the next ones will be device security, password management, and social media security. Uh, now, this will generally be focused on the uh, consumer, the individual, rather than on corporate. But there certainly will be lessons for the corporate security team for policies, especially since the boundary between home and work is much flimsier than it had been. Absolutely. It's kind of a give back thing, too, that Cybersecurity Awareness Month. You know, corporations, we wrestle with this stuff every day and it's an awareness. So we're always kind of aware of it in some ways. But for consumer folks of all stripes, this is where we give back and you know, give some feedback, some advice, some help, maybe even some free stuff out there to help them be uh, more aware, be alert, because we need more alerts. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So surfing safely. Yes. This is going to pertain to folks who have smartphones or think that their phones are smart. But remember that the intelligence isn't in the device. It is in the user using the device. So how do we make sure that we are being cyber smart? What kind of things come to mind? Yeah, things are a lot different than they used to be now. The, you know, the browser, no matter whether it's your phone, on your PC, on your tablet, or some other device that you're using, it's a, it's a very rich thing. In fact, the, you know, it's almost like the browser is the operating system today. Hmm. So that's why so much of our security is concentrated around that. And most of our work is done uh, by a browser. Most of the things you're shopping with and the like, yes, you may use apps as well. But a lot of the surfing, even if it's app-based, the like, a lot of those are just front ends for URLs or, you know, the web addresses. There's some obvious things and some subtle things to remind ourselves of when we're when we're online, especially for uh, not only the outgoing browsing out, but also the you know, receiving things such as email and the like as well. Mm. Yep. Yep. So being smart on your phone, the first thing that makes sense is, you know, if you're going to go... Um, play a sport, you're going to go skiing, you're going to want to make sure that your uh, equipment, the skis, the boots, the poles, the gear is going to be in good shape. You don't want to be uh, dashing down the hill and discover that your uh, bindings are shot uh, or that your edges are weak and you can't really turn. And the same thing would apply to um, surfing on the phone. You've got to make sure that the gear itself is relatively safe to avoid a catastrophe. So there are a number of measures that I usually, this is just, you know, regular cyber hygiene, right? You, you brush and you don't forget to floss. Uh, and so when it comes to your phone, make sure that it's relatively safe. My number one tip is a password manager. Although that is also a no about password management, but using one of those and in one of the upcoming episodes, we'll talk more about that. But recognizing that part of surfing safely is 
doing good password management. In addition to that is, you know, using other kinds of security software as well. And that's not meant to be self-serving because I've always done that, especially for something to help me make sure that the web addresses I'm going to are legit and that they haven't been compromised in the last while. Yeah, the, the security software for phones is available from all the major vendors. I don't care which one you use. Just just use one. You know, to paraphrase Reverend Book from the movie uh, Serenity, just use one. And keep it up to date, although most of the phone-based ones do a pretty good job of running self-updates. doesn't hurt to do that. It'll tell you if there's a known fraudulent site, and it'll block the site. It'll identify known attacks. And if something goes haywire, it'll pick up information about it. And again, multiple vendors do this, feed it back to the analytical engine so that that attack can be recognized and stopped for others, including yourself down the road. So yeah, make sure you got that stuff up to date. Make sure the apps are current, that you know what's on your phone and what it's for. That's super important. Super important uh, to do that. The updates, because updates now are, are mostly about security updates quite often. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, instead of adding new function to uh, a phone type app, many vendors will just release a new app. I'll say, you know, get this. I mean, there are some that just seem to have uh, a steady stream of updates. And those are, as you say, by and large, uh, security privacy type stuff. Yeah. And don't put them off because there's so many attacks. Now, it used to be that you could put them off for a week. You know, there probably wouldn't be an attack by then. But so so often now that when we find, especially the more serious ones tend to be the more urgent ones. Mm. There's this this terrible mathematics now that the more serious it is, the less time you have to deal with it. Whereas it used to be that you would have those those days and weeks to do it. But now as soon as you get the option to upgrade, you know, your phone or your, you know, your desktop OS, just do it right away. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Same thing um, to hit on the password topic again. Static passwords are a real huge risk. So make sure that you're not <laughs> using the same password you have since the uh, <laughs> the Nixon administration. Make sure that you're you're changing these things. And the, by the way, the 90-day password rule is kind of what Bruce and I are called security theater. By the time a password is compromised, it's exploited in a matter of hours, not not weeks, certainly not months. All this stuff is automated. All this stuff is industrialized. So the, a, a massive phishing attack nets a few hundred thousand user ID and passwords and by noon tomorrow, there will have been attacks to do reconnaissance, to find out, okay, so we've got Joe Blow's credentials for this environment. Let's go log on and see what he's got that's interesting. Is there a high-value target there? Is there a open port? Is there a automatically instantiated firewall that gives us access to Joe Blow's entire organization's back end? Are there banking credentials stored on the phone that we can rip off in the next 48 hours. So you know, be smart. Use use a password manager because the alternative is to use a separate password for each system. <laughs> because if, if one system's compromised, then that password is going to be tried against every other system that you might use. And if you're using the same password on multiple systems, you are hosed. So be smart about that. Take a look at what kind of emails you allow yourself to open. Be skeptical. If you get a friend request from somebody that you're already friends with on social media, or as happened to me, you get a friend request from a teacher that I had in high school who passed away eight years ago, 
It's probably not legitimate. <laughs> right. But you never know. Yeah. So what's it like down there? Be, I mean, be skeptical, but not that skeptical. Yeah. Yeah, don't be so skeptical that I don't really think he died. Like <laughs> Occam's razor. Right? That's right. Uh, odds are, yeah, yeah. Is it is it back from the dead or is it possibly, uh, you know, a phishing email? And that's uh, we say phishing email with a, it's spelled ph, but it's meant to lure you in. Right. Backing stuff up is the other one, right? So you know you can take these measures such as that skepticism is great, but in the event you're you know and you're going to make mistakes. We all have. You know, we've all clicked on that link when we shouldn't have, and we're tired, and it's obviously a you know you haven't won that you know Apple gift card. <laughs> Back your stuff up, and even if you have to pay for that, it's money well spent. I pay for a backup service out of my own funds for my own systems, and I've never regretted that. Uh, even just, you know what, it's great security, but it's also just handy to have that stuff should I make a mistake or have a device fail. So not just the security side, it's just the availability of that data is critical, especially like family records, uh, you know, photos, even all the important stuff in your life. Yeah, yeah, you got to keep that. Now, in a past episode, we had talked about backup strategies, and again, I don't really care which one you use. Just use one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I back up stuff locally, and I also have cloud. The local stuff is because every once in a while I you know, screw up and delete a folder or file that I shouldn't have, and I know I've got a fairly recent copy. You know, my protocol is a complete backup at the start of the month, and then I have these you know, online things that sync pretty much near real time. So that's that's cloud-based, but I always know I can get what I need. And and especially when it's stuff that really is, let's call it almost archival, uh, family albums, music. Back back in the day when we used to own the music, it was convenient to have soft copy of the media on the device. My kids are very into the uh, Bluetooth connectivity so that they can run their personal playlists when driving. I'm the kind of person that drives a really old car. Mine just passed 180,000 miles and does not have Bluetooth connectivity. There's a device that you can put into the cassette slot. And yes, there used to be a slot where you could play cassettes. <laughs> a, a track or a regular cassette, the one that you had cassette. to use a uh, eraser end of a pencil. Pencil. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you slap that in there and you plug the phone into it. And by golly, you can actually play old stuff off an old phone through the relatively good speaker system of an old car. And that's enough for me. The point is that you're going to have stuff that you're not going to be changing. You're not going to be editing that, you know, picture from Thanksgiving dinner back in the early seventies, but it's nice to know that it's there. It would be sad to lose it. So yeah, have a nice, have a nice backup. It can be a media server. It could just be historical stuff, but having that is a convenience. And the last thing you want to do is go through the drawer and find the old hard disks that <laughs> for which you no longer have adapters to plug into your current technology to try to recover something off of the round, brown and spinning from way back when. Last one I want to talk about is a click jacking when uh, in the last few moments on this, on this segment. So clickjacking is when there's a part of the web page that tries to fool you into entering information. So you, you think you're you're clicking on, you know, claim your prize, but you're clicking on, you know, actually confirm your bank payment. Or the reverse, you think you're logging into your bank when you're really sending it elsewhere. There's a couple of variations on that clickjacking, but that sounds complicated, right? And it is. It's a very nuanced attack. But uh, the best defense you can have is once again being skeptical when you're Going into doing banking, be very cognizant of that URL bar. Look up there and say, is that something familiar? And if you ever in doubt, just close the browser windows, start again, 
and start from a known good place just in case, you know, you have been lured away from your conventional banking or other information scheme. So. Right, right. Yeah, it's always a good idea, uh, especially um, this is easier on the desktop or laptop devices to um, clear browser history to start with a fresh panel so you don't have a lingering redirect out there. Right, right. But yeah, always, always start fresh. I mean, you know, look up the name of the company with a search and then click on the uh, icon that, uh, that Matt and start from, start from there. Yeah. And, you know, by the way, don't be shy about reporting bad links. Some companies will do a lot about it. All companies will do something about it. They'll rate manage this stuff. The ones that I like are the uh, messages, the emails that tell me that my uh, Capital One account has been compromised and I need to re-enter my password. Uh, since I've never had a Capital One account, that's an easy one to avoid. The ones that actually have a kind of an unintentionally humorous bet are the yeah. uh, messages uh, that I'm getting uh, approximately every other day, purportedly from AT&T, where they began by saying, we apologize for the mistake in last month's bill. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, pull the other one. It plays jingle bells. <laughs> yeah, ha, 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 ha. yeah, right, right. So if we had to recap on this, it would be use security software, be skeptical and cognizant at all times, back your stuff up, use good password management, choose multi-factor authentication where you can. When in doubt, exit out. Right. That's a well, good way of putting it. Put it out, exit out. Be skeptical and stay safe. And thanks. Cool. And we will talk to you next week for week two of National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. <laughs> this is Greg and Bill signing off for now. Stay safe online. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you soon. That brings us to the end of this edition of Real Cybersecurity. I'm Greg Young. And I'm Bill Malik. Thanks for your time and attention today and joining us on our journey. Remember to follow us on Twitter at RealCyberSecurity, and our email address is podcast at realcybersecurity.net. Thanks.